Henry Cejudo can fucking wrestle. I guess now I have to eat my asshole. With the fight selections and the fight reflections, this is fighting with myself. Oh, 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 fighting with myself. Oh, 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 yeah. What is going on, fight fans? We had an incredible night of fights last night, and I'm so excited to get into it. Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the average MMA fan hosted by an above-average man, and I'm that man. My name's Juice, and let's uh, let's get right into it. First off, I didn't get to see all these fights, and um, since um, Shab ratted out the stream, it was a little hard to watch because I um, I was in a play, doing a little play called Midsummer Night's Dream. Fucking crushed it, just in case you were wondering. Um, it's opening night last night, and um, it's going really well. So if you're in the Jersey area, and you have uh, New Jersey, that is, and you have any interest in seeing that, hit me up. Otherwise, let's get right into these fights. Um, so I was able to watch, and, and, and by the way, what I didn't watch, I caught highlights and, and, and recaps and everything. So I uh, was very much following closely all the events of last night. So so let's not... Um, Let's not fret about that. But I so I watched live the uh, the JoJo versus Caitlin Jukagian robbery, and I won't say no. I won't. I won't call it a robbery. I just want to say like I was watching it and I was like, oh, this is. Uh, I think. Uh, I think Joanne won. I think. I think JoJo won, and they announced it for Caitlin, and I was like, what? I'll have to go back and and rewatch to kind of see what they saw but uh, everyone on tour was saying the judges were whack last night like everyone was saying that i mean just craziness and it really sucks the state of mixed martial arts judging is horrible and i think i talked about this a while ago um referenced something that luke thomas had said it was saying you know all that stuff rules judging it's regulated by the commissions which is a government entity. And so we have given the keys to the kingdom to the people who run the DMV. And that is about as real as it fucking gets. So, I mean, when has the government ever admitted they're wrong <laughs> or been interested in progress? Am I right? Um, so I I don't think this is going to change for a while. But you got to do something. There, there have been some commissions who experimented with judges wearing like noise canceling headphones. I really do think the crowd's reactions play into th- things as far as like you know what really landed or not. It, like if it just grazes, sometimes if it's a hometown favorite or or whatever, it'd be like oh, crowds will go nuts, and it just you know I think we need to be a little more uh, biased in that regard. I think the judges should definitely be wearing noise canceling headphones at the least, dude. And at the next, I mean, if you want to take it to another level, we got to have judges that are not coming from boxing because boxing judging is way different. And I don't want those fucking boxing guys ruining our sport. Least of all, Adelaide Bird. I mean, get the fuck out of here. I don't think she's been judging MMA for a while since that whole fiasco at 216. Uh, I mean, that was just insane. 
Um, of course, right, right, right before that was the fucking Canelo uh, Triple G fight. It's terrible. But I think they need to employ more ex-fighters. And it's hard to do that because you have to be biased. And, you know, R- Ricardo Almeida, for example, is a licensed judge or, you know, trained judge or whatever the word is. He can, he can judge fights and does so on the local scene here in New Jersey. Um, that's where he trains out, I think, Robbinsville. That's where he holds his gym, you know, trains the likes of uh, Marlon Moraes, who we'll get into, and Frankie Edgar and those guys, Eddie Alvarez, that whole team with Mark Henry. Um, Ricardo Almeida and, and Mark Henry are really the, the masterminds behind that camp. Um, but Ricardo Almeida, and I don't, I don't want to make a bold statement. I'm not trying to put anyone on blast. Um, but, um, I did, uh, hear an interview a while ago when I heard this news, um, from, from a gentleman who was, um, one of the first licensed judges in California and New Jersey, or, or sorry, Nevada and New Jersey, like the two first commissions who are adopting, you know, the unified rules, I think back in the day, this guy's like an OG judge. And he was saying he takes umbrage with the fact that Ricardo Almeida judges because he's judging, um, fights that he could potentially have an interest in, given that his um, fighters are fighting under New Jersey. So he's calling fights that perhaps, you know, he could be picking his guys or something like that. And I don't know for a fact that's happening. So like I said, I don't want to make a bold statement, but those are the things that they have to consider. And they they need to really figure out a way to get a non-biased, you know, former fighter, coach, something in the judge's seat because those are the people that know what's going on. They know how hard certain shots land and they know the intricacies of grappling to know who's really winning. And we need more of that. So that's just my quick thoughts on the on the judging as far as that goes. But in, in terms of um, the rest of the fights... Um, thank you guys for keeping me updated on Twitter. It was awesome. Um, Tatiana Suarez. I mean, this is uh, this is someone who many people are pretty much saying she's the uncrowned champion. And I had some thoughts. Like, uh, I didn't get to watch the fight live, but I, I caught some of the highlights. And um, obviously, she won the fight. But I wanted to say, everyone, just because she lost a round. Everyone was saying, oh, you know, should we take away that female Khabib nickname? You know, all that stuff. I mean, Khabib lost rounds against I. I well, no, I didn't really lose a round against Iaquinta, but, um, you know, showed moments of weakness in that fight. You know, showed a chink in the armor. When someone is that dominant and they, and they show a chink in the armor, everyone's like, well, so overrated. And I'm not quite confident to say she can beat Andrade without you know offering my thoughts on on that matchup like I'm not gonna say oh yeah she's definitely gonna just run right through her she could win but you know Andrade could pose a lot of problems I even think Rose uh could have given you know Tatiana a run for her money so I think we should praise her for the win and I'll but also not try and put her on a pedestal at the same time, not disparage her for losing a round. <laughs> I mean, not to take away anything from Nina, like Nina's that good. 
I think people weren't giving her a lot of credit. You know, I, I knew Nina could do those kind of things. And I think we all did. I think everyone was just so high on the Tatiana hype train, which happens all the time in MMA. And I think it really comes down to the media, you know, saying she's like the next champion, things like that. They gave her a Modelo commercial, you know. But she looked good. She looked, she looked damn good. As far as what's next, um, Dana, in the post-fight press conference... See, I, I, and I had said this before the fight, so this is kind of like a, un, it was an unofficial number one contenders matchup, you know, as far as the rankings and the winning streaks that they were both on, it's very clear that one of them has to fight for the title next, so they just kind of put them together so that they, you know, eliminate one of those, and uh, Michelle Watterson has been campaigning hard, you know, they flew her out to Brazil to watch the fight, and she was going on Joe Rogan, she's doing all this like media tour, and I thought for sure, like, or not for sure, but I thought there was a good chance they could give it to Michelle Watterson next as far as the next title shot for the 115-pound um, belt. And uh, someone asked Dana in the post press conference, they're like, what's next for Tatiana? Um, could you see her giving the uh, next title shot against Andrade, or are you going to give that to Michelle Watterson? And Dana was like, Michelle Watterson? Are you kidding me? No, she's not ready. No, she's not she needs to put more wins together. She's in the rankings. And he completely shut it down. And I was like, whoa. And, and and it's not unlike Dana to say one thing and do another. Like, maybe she does get the next title shot. Who knows? But usually it's more like Dana to be like, well, we'll see how this thing plays out. Let's see what happens. She'll good. You know, we don't know. I don't make fights in the night of the fight. But he was like, Michelle Watterson, are you crazy? Get out of here. And I thought that was very interesting. Especially because they're, you know promotionally they're really behind her um you know she's got all these opportunities on espn um she had that fight mom documentary which is not necessarily the ufc but uh, i think they probably had a hand in that for sure so that was interesting i like to see when it like i don't like the sport aspect of mixed martial arts so much as i do the actual um fighting and the entertainment value of it you know i don't mind a little shit talk i don't mind when it's a targeting but i do like when people earn a title shot and it's deserving and um certainly tatiana has deserved it so i really hope that's next um jumping into the main card and, and actually before we get into that um i wanted to highlight aljamain sterling getting it done because um i thought pedro munoz could potentially give him some problems um pedro munoz has a nasty guillotine and um wrestlers who shoot in can kind of get caught in guillotines, but I mean, Aljo is um, a great all around grappler, not just a wrestler. Um, and um, he looked very good tonight as well. Now, uh, sorry, last night. But but jumping into the main card, Taitu Avasa versus Blagoy Ivanov. And before I get into the result, I saw an interview with Ty earlier on in this week, and he was on the Hawani show. He, of course, had been talking shit on Justin Willis. He gave him the nickname Big Titty, which everyone ran with. I mean, to the point where Curtis Blades, who doesn't talk any shit at all in his post-fight interview after beating Willis, was like, Go home, Big Titty. I mean, hilarious. But he, 
<laughs> but Harry was like, how come you're not fighting him next? You know, there was that beef. You know, you called him out. You guys are on each other's Instagram all the time. What's going on? He's like, I don't know. I mean, he fought Curtis Blades. I mean, that looked like a rape case. <laughs> a rape case, dude. So terrible. But that was hilarious. And I just wanted to say that because Ty, win or lose, he gives it his all. And his fucking interviews are incredible. And uh, Ty winning is good for me. It's good for the UFC, I think. It's good for that division. So it sucks that he lost. Um, I predicted he won, of course. So that um, didn't start my night off too too well uh, against uh, Blagoy. And I guess, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I, I knew that that Sambo could, could play a factor. I just thought Ty, I mean, he says, going back to that interview, he said something really interesting, uh, which is that he watches the JDS fight every every night before he goes to bed or he did leading up to this fight just to remind himself what it feels like to lose and not want to go there so i was pretty sure if he lost it would go to a decision i was like you're not going to put this guy away after that like that's a that's someone with a fire in him and um hats off to blagoy i guess he's the the real deal now i did predict correctly peter yan beating jimmy rivera and I have to give Jimmy more credit than I did. I thought Peter Yan maybe knock him out in the third round, TKO, maybe even a submission. Uh, obviously, he's more of a striker, but I think he's one of those guys who trains everything. And I mean, they all do, obviously. But I mean, as far as like the Russian wrestling background, but Peter Yan dropped him at the end of I think the second and the third, and. It sucks because, like, if, if he had just fucking maybe had, like, 20 more seconds, he could have got a finish. But um, as Dana put it in the post of an interview, Jimmy Rivera was fighting, like, someone who did not want to lose. Um, and not in a bad way. Like, we often say, like, fighters fighting to not lose as opposed to fighting to not win. Usually we say that when they're on the winning side of a, you know, a boring decision or whatever. But, no, this is a guy who was, like, not going to go down easily. He was not going down without a fight pun intended and Peter Yan earned that victory and Jimmy Rivera is, is legit he really is so it's not like he beat a, a guy who I don't know was overhyped or whatever I, I think Jimmy Rivera was properly hyped I, I think he's just now the division's catching up and we're seeing all these contenders emerge I would love to see Peter Yan um, I don't know I wouldn't love to see him fight for the title because there's other guys like, you know, I think, quite frankly, Aljamain should get the next shot. He earned it. And uh, especially with, like, like if Marlon won, you could make the case that, you know, um, he knocked Aljo out pretty cleanly in the first round. And there there's not a lot of ways he could do to make that differently in terms of Marlon, you know, making his victory better. Obviously, Aljo can do things differently. Um, so... I was I was afraid that if Marlon won, they weren't going to give Aljo the shot. But you know, even Dana in the post fight interview says, "Yeah, if he fought like that always, you know, he would be a big star by now." And that, in many ways, is true. But yeah, great great victory from those guys. So Peter Yan, I guess we'll have to see what happens with with other with other fights in the division. Um, a while ago, someone was um, 
was campaigning for um, Peter Yan versus John Lineker. That would be a great fight. But John Lineker just lost. Now he's in an upcoming fight against Rob Font, which we'll get into later. It's kind of hard. Maybe he maybe he fights Pedro Munoz, since they were he was kind of on the up and up. And now you know I think a win over Pedro Munoz could could definitely get um, Peter Yan a title shot. And that's certainly what he wants. I hope they don't match him against Cody Garbrandt. I mean, do you want to kill Cody? <laughs> Literally, that's terrible. But my man. Tony Ferguson against Donald Cerrone. This was a hell of a fight. I predicted Tony to win. He did get the win. And not in the way he or I wanted. Uh, obviously, I think we all wanted to see that play out. And, and I'm not talking about... I'm not trying to call it a bad stoppage. It was the right call. I mean, Cowboy's eye was swollen shut completely. He had a fractured orbital. They confirmed it in the... Um, in, in the post uh, post press conference, Dana said that he was transported to the hospital and all, all that stuff. Um, of course, Cerrone, would, you know, wants to continue, but you know, we have to f- not we, but you know, you as a commission, as a as doctors, referees, like they have to save fighters from themselves. Of course, he's going to want to go in there and give it his all. He's fighting for, you know, he's fighting in front of his son. He's fighting for a title shot. Fighting for a fucking win bonus, maybe. Although Cerrone is probably one of those guys that gets a flat. But still, and I mean, they rightly got the fight of the night bonus. Both of those guys earned it. I did tweet out that, you know, Tony was looking a little slow. And Cowboy typically is a slow starter. But Cowboy was looking a little quicker in the first round in terms of, like, getting things going. But both their reflexes, I thought they looked somewhat slow. Like, they were both just, like, a little tired. And it was kind of weird. But the second round... Boy, did they pick things up, and Tony was looking good. He was lighting Donald up. He was checking the kicks. He was firing his own leg kicks. He was hitting him with the one-two, catching him off the break. Um, and and I, I thought Donald was was kind of almost lighting Tony up in the first round, but if you look at their faces, I mean, I'm not talking just talking about the swollen shut like afterwards, but like towards the end of that round before that happened, um, Donald's face was clearly more fucked up, like blood dripping out of his nose, into his beard. I mean, <laughs> those guys, that was the fight we deserve. I don't know if it was the result we deserve, but these things happen. I guess we've got to talk about what happened kind of at the bell. The ref didn't step in quickly enough because the rule is that the the ref ends the round. The bell does not end the round. The bell is for the ref to end the round, um, but the fighters really are supposed to be hearing that bell. And so you can't fault Tony entirely for it. Um, I mean, they're both coming in with that killer be killed mentality. Fucking savages. Um, and Big Dan didn't step in right away, but I don't think that was a, a bad call on, on Big Dan's part. I think it was just, um, you know, reading the the environment. I think they were, they were both respectful, and he kind of just... Gave them the benefit of the doubt, I guess. Tony snuck that extra one in. I shouldn't say snuck. Like, I don't think he was trying to be dirty. You know, he felt bad. Like, Tony, afterward, like, I loved how in the post-fight interview, he said, talk to Cowboy. Immediately made Rogan go to Cowboy and um, gave Cowboy that mic time. You know, he was watching. He stayed with him while the cut men were working on Donald's eye. 
it was incredible. I, I love the, the show of, of respect and sportsmanship. And Tony was all class. Um, just just an, an incredible fight. Sensational. And if they don't give Tony a title shot next, we fucking riot. We fucking riot. What more does the man have to do? He was on a what a 10-fight win streak. Gets his interim title stripped because he trips on a cord doing media to promote his own fight. And fucking comes back after a, having surgery six months prior to give us a fight of the year contender against Pettis. Still doesn't get a title shot. Then you put him against Donald Cerrone, who's a killer. If they don't give Tony the winner of Khabib and Poirier, we fucking riot. I'm going to fly down to Vegas and knock on Dana's door. Are you kidding me? Insane. But I guess I'll hold off on, on that because we don't know what's going to happen. Next up, we had a murder. Valentina Shevchenko against Jessica I. And in terms of dominance, I expected that to happen, but I didn't expect it to happen that quickly. Um, Jessica I showed some toughness in the first round, and I knew that would happen. Like I wasn't one of those people that said, oh, she's going to walk right through her. Like I thought Jessica I would put up a fucking fight. I, I thought she was going to make it a dog fight, try, try and take the martial arts out of it and make it gritty, make it a grinding fight. Um, but I knew that um, Shevchenko's technical prowess would override that. Um, Shevchenko, I mean, she's shown this before. It's not, it's not like anything new, but you know, Jessica, I, one of Jessica, I's biggest, um, strengths is her wrestling and Shevchenko dominated her in the wrestling. She got a body lock, took her down and, um, got a crucifix at one point. Like at the end, she was dropping those elbows and, uh, but Jessica kind of escaped the submissions. So Jessica was sort of hanging in there and Rogan had said that it was maybe, you know, earned her a bit of confidence. Like, I'm not so sure about that. But Shevchenko was coming in hot with those body kicks. And it was, you know, obviously open for her, her being a southpaw, Jessica being a conventional orthodox stance. So they were right there, but she was firing them. Those, that sound was like, I mean, fucking A. That hurt me. <laughs> Crazy. Um, and it didn't look like she was trying to set up the head kick. I mean, we see this happen with almost every head kick knockout because guys are getting so good that you can't just throw it there. You got to really make them worry about body kicks. And the minute she was dropping her hands, I mean, in the slow motion replay, you could see Jessica sort of hunch over and put her hand down to that. You know, people try and do that so that they can minimize some of the target for the body kick while keeping their hands up a little bit, but you, it's physically impossible to, to block both, really. Um, and so the head kick was just there for the taking, and that was, I mean, we don't often see knockouts like that in women's MMA. That was incredible. Shevchenko is going to hold that belt for as long as she wants to, really. But I honestly don't know if they're going to keep feeding her 
um, you know, 125 contenders and kind of make her the um, female GSP, Anderson Silva, you know, or Mighty Mouse for that matter, her male counterpart, 125 pounds. But she definitely could. Although in the in the era we're in, the money fights, entertainment era, it's it's hard to say. Like she lost to Amanda twice, and there's some people out there who think Valentina won that second fight. I don't necessarily disagree. I'm not saying like, you know, Amanda clearly dominated. It was a very close fight, um, but I'm I'm not like. I'm not one of those people that say, oh, she got robbed. She should have been the champ. I mean, Amanda is really the only one that can give Valentina a run for her money. And likewise, I think um, they're each other's only peers. It's almost like DC and John Jones, you know? So it doesn't look like they would ever do a trilogy with them, given that Amanda won the first two. But stranger things have happened. And Dana, in the post-fight press conference, said... Maybe if they both look good, we do a, you know, who's the baddest woman on the planet type fight and really solidify it. And I had tweeted out, um, you know, a couple days ago that if Holly gets past Amanda, because everyone just keeps talking about, you know, she's going to walk right through her. I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. We should give Holly the respect that she deserves as a former champion herself. But um, if Holly gets past Valentina, or sorry, Amanda, they they could potentially set up a rematch between the two. Um, and I'm not sure I want to see that. I'd rather see them both stay in their division and defend against, you know, the number one contenders respect, respectively. Uh, but Dana said something interesting in the post-fight press conference. Um, when they were talking about what's next, he was talking about Valentina and Amanda and he said, Amanda won Cyborg, but I don't think Cyborg wants that fight. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? She was calling for the rematch. And then Amanda was like, no, I already beat her in 45 seconds. Why would, why would I fight her again? I mean, what? And then some, someone, I guess Cyborg was watching the press conference and tw- and was like texting or tweeting or whatever one of the um, journalists. And they had asked Dana a question. They said, uh, Cyborg says she definitely wants the rematch. He's like, oh, I guess well, maybe we'll do that. We'll see. <laughs> I mean... Maybe he forgets that Cyborg's already booked against Felicia Spencer. That's another story. But, I mean, of course, Amanda's booked against Holly as well. So, I hate to be like Dana, but I guess you got to see how that plays out. But don't tell me that Cyborg doesn't want that rematch. Are you kidding me? She was the queen of that division for years, even before it was in the UFC, when it's Strikeforce and Invicta. I mean, she ran the 145-pound division. So don't tell me she doesn't want a rematch. You're crazy. You crazy. Speaking of crazy, Henry Cejudo getting it done against Marlon Moraes. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> and I know many of you are listening to this because of the fucking tweet where I was like, oh, if Henry Cejudo wins, I'll eat my own asshole. And let me just talk about that real quick. Real quick. Because it started as a joke. I mean, I wasn't literally making a challenge or a bet or anything. I was just like... Man, if this guy wins, I'll fucking eat my own asshole. Like, as a met, like a, I don't want to call it a metaphor, but like, you know, definitely hyperbole, you know, just as like, like, are you kidding me? Just because he's so cringe. But I, I concede his talents fully. I'm not, I'm not one of those people that thinks he's overrated or whatever. I do think that 
um, the Mighty Mouse decision was kind of controversial, but you know it is what it is. Mighty Mouse getting the paid paydays he finally deserves over in one, so I'm happy for him. That's that's fine. Um, but I, I think I took umbrage with the fact that Cejudo was calling himself the flyweight savior, and he was saying, "I'm doing this for the flyweights. We got to save our division." And then immediately after he beat TJ, he was like, "I want the 135 pound belt too, and I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge Frankie Edgar at 145 pounds and all this stuff." And I was like, "Whoa, dude, calm the hell down." And even after this fight, you know, we'll talk about the fight in a second. Credit to him, he looked amazing. Uh, but he was like, "I need to get paid, Dana." We're talking about Dominic Cruz, Uriah Faber, Cody Garbrandt. I'll even go for the 145 pound belt too, make it a triple champ. I mean, pump the brakes. You do deserve to to be a two-way champion. But go back down and defend your flyweight title first. Then give Aljo a shot if you if you get past Benavides or whomever. Um, or Formiga. You know, whoever wins that fight. But don't, don't talk about 145 pounds. Are you kidding me? Especially if Max Holloway beats Frankie Edgar. Are you telling me that Henry can beat Max Holloway? You know, a damn near what is what is Max Holloway fucking six foot? Henry Cejudo is like five two. Are you kidding me? I mean, I guess stranger things have happened, but no. I mean, the weight disparity is just like like Max gets up to like one ninety, dude. In the off season, are you kidding me? Like that would be murder if they if they made that matchup. But we'll see. But the fight itself, man. Credit to Henry. You know. Credit where credit is due, the man can fight and not just wrestle. I mean, Danny even said this. He's like, he didn't try to pin him down. He didn't try to pull him against the fence. He went out there and outstruck him. And he was right. It looked like Marlon just gassed. And I'm trying to make excuses for him. I'm just saying, like, Marlon was throwing heat on those leg kicks. And I guess that tired him out. Like, the first round, he was lighting Cejudo up. He was, like, Cejudo was trying to close the distance again to boxing range. And Marlon would slip and rip and, and counter. And I was like, oof, if this is uh, if this is how the fight's going to go, it's going to be a long night for Henry or a short night, depending. And again, boy, was I wrong. I mean, that second round, Henry found his timing and got in the clinch and hit Marlon with those knees. Like, if anything, I thought Henry would be susceptible to those to those knees. Like, DJ in their first fight caught Henry clean with the knee to the body and put him out. And Marlon got those nasty knees against Aljamain, which KO'd him. And I'm, I was sitting there thinking, okay, if Henry shoots for a takedown, he's going to run right into those knees. Nope. Henry got the clinch. It looked like a, like a video game tutorial. Like, oh, press, press X uh, to, in the clinch to, to knee three times just to see if it works and boom i mean he was just eating those knees he would even bring my knee to the face dude and marlon was like yeah okay i mean i was like how is he just eating these and then right there and there i think he took the confidence away from marlon i think he was like oh fuck this guy can strike too like what do i have and the third round it looked scary as far as like marlon's chances of winning like dude he was hitting those hitting those knees again, and then he he took him down, and he didn't just try and hold him. I mean, Marlon was like surviving, like as far as like using his jujitsu to to lock him down, like 
that was that was the only reason for the for the non-action in terms of that like henry was trying to stay busy on top he was hitting him with some nasty elbows and then in one transition he locked up a darce and i was like henry sudo getting a fucking darce joke are you kidding me what the hell credit where credit is due i'm not gonna doubt Sohudo ever again unless they fucking <laughs> try and match him in a 145 pound title fight which i don't think they'll ever do I mean, that's just crazy. Like, absolutely crazy. Like, don't even at me. Like, just crazy. But Cejudo versus Marais, what a sensational fight. I guess credit to Marlon, too, for hanging in there as long as he did, because if it was just a quick fight, you know, people could have called it a fluke, like kind of like they said about the TJ stoppage. Uh, but that was not a fluke at all. That was the better man getting it done, dragging it. Not even deep waters. It was a third round. You know, wasn't even into the championship rounds, but he he drug him, you know, out of his cardio and just pommeled him. Like the the ref, I mean, that was the right stoppage in my opinion. By the way, I mean it wasn't like an early stoppage. It was like Marlon was kind of moving, but it was like, dude, he was he was out. Like he was he was on intelligently defending himself. Like that's the rule. If you're not if you're no longer intelligently defending yourself, you got to stop the fight. And that was that was the right call. Um. Still the king of cringe, but who knows? Um, and it's interesting. So I said if Marlon, and here's also why I was like rooting for for Marlon to win because I thought if Cejudo lost, it would be the best case scenario for the flyweight division because then you kind of have to force him to go back back down and defend his title um, and get that division moving again. But I guess the opposite was true, and I'm glad because that's what I really want. I, I want those guys to still have a job. And, like, I was I was watching the first round going, like, how do you not realize that weight divisions are made for a reason and that the guys at 125 pounds can't really hang at 135, you know, size-wise? It just, it just is tough. But then Henry proved me wrong, and I guess— Dana saw the same thing was like, you know, I I wasn't sure if Henry could defend both titles, but, you know, doing what he did. Yeah, he can defend both titles. So Dana said uh, he actually said the words like he didn't say, like, we'll see what happens. Dana actually said the words confirmed the flyweight division is sticking around. So I don't know if they're going to, like, put more money into it, sign more flyweights. They're certainly not going to re-sign the people they cut. I think they were happy to be rid of those people coming off a loss, like Wilson Hayes and all the other guys that they cut. Um, it sucks, but I think they they do invest in that division a little bit in terms of like getting the matchups moving again. Um, I think all the flyweights can breathe, you know. So that's good. It's good. It's good that he lost. Got to eat my own ass, but whatever. It's good that he. It's good that he won. Um, t- tough, tough for Marlon, man. Um, I, I really like the guy. He's he's a family man. He is mostly respectful. He wasn't respectful against Henry in terms of like the trash talking stuff. But I mean, I don't no problem with that. But you know, mostly he's just like a super nice guy. You know, after he beat uh, Jimmy Rivera, he had an awesome you know in studio interview with Ariel Hawani. And he was like, I'm so happy, man. I love I love this sport. I love my job. I love my family. I'm so happy. I mean, I wanted him to just like 
be champion after that. I was like, dude, so 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 positive, you know. So really tough for him. Maybe they match him up against Pedro Munoz. I mean, I had said earlier that Jan, but you know, given that they're both coming off a loss, uh, Munoz and Morais, maybe they do that matchup, which would be fun. Something to get him moving again. <laughs> and I was I was thinking about this during the uh, during the uh, like before the fight. I was like, Morais starched Asun Sal in their rematch. Starched Aljo, starched Jimmy Rivera. But John Dodson went the distance. So it makes you wonder, just how good is John Dodson? I think I don't think people give John Dodson the credit he deserves at 135 pounds. The guy used to fight at flyweight, and now he's you know holding his own against some of the best strikers in that division. Um, yeah, a little side tension about John Dodson, but dude, Henry Cejudo is the truth. He's the truth. I I I think the whole best combat sports athlete is a little tough. Uh, I don't. I personally don't think wrestling should be considered a combat sport. Um, I think combat sports are, you know, combat. You know, where punches are being thrown, MMA, boxing, kickboxing, uh, combat jujitsu. Well, I mean, I don't like saying jujitsu as a sport. You know, so that's a whole separate issue. But you know. I guess combat sambo. So those are my thoughts on that. Um, one hell of a main event, one hell of a co-main. The whole main card was fire. I mean, I guess two thirty-eight really lived up to the hype. People were saying it's like the most stacked card and all that. And sometimes when that happens, we get a lot of decisions. And I was like, no. But dude, everyone delivered. This this card was incredible. Um, thank you guys again for keeping me updated on Twitter when I was ha- having to miss the fights for my play. Uh, so, so thankful for that. And without further ado, let's get into these current events. All right, first up on the docket, we have King Mo officially announcing his retirement. Now, he kind of foreshadowed this earlier i guess you could say he, he did say and i think i may have talked about it on the podcast before he said that he was going to retire at the end of this year and now he's just saying you know what i'm just I'm making it official i thought i was maybe trying to sneak in like one last retirement fight i think that probably was it um but i guess he announced that he's going to officially retire he's going to become a part of the coaching staff at american top team and i think this is a great move for him he's got a lot to offer the sport in terms of his his knowledge and background. Kimo was also one of those guys I admired because he fought sort of at his natural weight all the time. He walked around at like 217 and just drop a few pounds to make the 205 limit. Um, and he would also fucking fight at heavyweight. He fought Rampage at heavyweight. He fought Crow Cop at heavyweight. He's one of those like, don't give a fuck mentality. He would call it money weight, <laughs> which was just awesome. And I hate to see him go, but I... You know, for his health and everything, he got knocked out badly in I think his last two fights, and and uh, when a guy knows it's time, it's it's time, and uh, credit to him. So I'm happy for him, and I wish him the best. I think you know his wrestling accolades uh, can can be a lot to offer the the American Top Team stable of fighters. So it should be really awesome to see where he goes next in terms of his coaching career. Uh, so wish him the best. And this is just a whole, you know, we're just going to talk about retirements for, for the next little bit here. I mean, 
the UFC Stockholm produced three retirements. Um, we talked about it on the night, um, you know, or the day after when um, Alex threw his gloves in the ring. I think it was maybe Smokey J who asked, did the wrong guy retire? Um, but turns out, no, Jamie, Jamie Manawa realized that he needs to retire as well. He put on a lengthy statement on Instagram. Um, if you haven't read that, go check it out. Basically saying how he got into the sport and how he's come. I mean, it was very thought out. It wasn't like a rush decision. I think he, he knows it's time to hang up, you know, for his family. He's got, I think, two daughters. And uh, he, he knows he's taken some bad shots. And I like when a guy knows it's time. Nick Hine also retired uh, UFC Stockholm, and I don't know enough about his career to to really say my thoughts on it. I want to be that disrespectful just to kind of mention it. But um, Jimmy Manoa was someone I always liked watching fight. He his just personality. He just like kind of don't give a fuck. His I love his uh, dialect. He sounded like a character out of Snatch. Uh, or just another guy reaching movie like Rock and Rolla, one of those guys. Uh, I loved watching him fight, and he was just kind of that kind of killer be killed mentality, which ultimately cost him. I mean, he got brutalized by Santos, and that was just like made him ripe for the picking against Alexander Rakic. I mean, holy shit, that that KO! He just folded, and his head bounced off the canvas. Hard to watch, and. If he didn't hang it up, I honestly would be very sad. So while I'm sad to see him go, I'm I would be even sadder. And I want to wish him the best. He's uh, a sta- he was a stable in the 205 pound division, and I think it's just like that that both him and Gus realize it, and they train together. You know, so maybe I, I wonder if Gus had a little bit of a say in it, kind of you know let him know because that was his main training partner, and now you know they're. They, they both don't have each other, so I think it's the right move for both of them. And uh, I had debated whether or not Gus... I didn't want to talk about it too much on the last episode because I debated whether or not it was like a rush decision from Gus. Or not a rush decision, but like a sort of in the moment, in the heat of the motion, you know, just throwing his gloves down. But he's since done like, you know, interviews like the press conference and um, backstage and all that and um statements online he's like you know i'm i'm really done guys i'm hanging it up and i guess he takes these losses really hard he took the anthony johnson loss really hard losing in front of his hometown crowd similar similar stuff here he didn't get brutally knocked out but he did get finished he got submitted and that whole arena was quiet and well, he's another guy that was like really like a stable of the 205 pound division. I mean, he was in the UFC for about 10 years. It's a long time. So I, I think I think the UFC could potentially, I mean, he could be one of those non-champion Hall of Fame inductees for, for what he did and the fights he gave us against Jones and Cormier. I mean, he built those guys. And so I really think, the story of Alexander Gustafson is not been done just yet. I think he'll go on to, to be a good ambassador for the sport, possibly become a coach at all stars. You know, we saw it happen with his teammate, um, Akira Korsani, uh, who was, uh, in the featherweight division, you know, had a, I think it was a bad loss to, to Max Holloway that kind of vaulted him into retirement and he became a coach. He's been a very good coach for that team. And so Alexander Gustafson, could offer that 
He's got a lot of experience. His boxing is, you know, almost unparalleled in that division. And uh, good wrestling defense. I really, I really hope he he goes into coaching because that that could be really good for that team and and build up that young, you know, Swedish MMA scene. But let's stay with the two hundred five hundred division theme. You know, talked about the out with the old and with the new. The new blood coming up. Johnny Walker, man, he's cleared to fight. Um, in case you missed it, he <laughs> injured his shoulder in his post fight celebration doing the worm. His last fight when he well, knocked out Misha Serkinov. And uh, while everyone's like, oh, calm it down, like, I kind of hope he doesn't. I just hope he does it in a safer way because that whole personality of, you know, that's why why we love him, dude. And I guess he's targeting a September return. Is that the day for that Copenhagen card? I guess um, uh, Alexander Rakic talked about maybe wanting to, to get on that card, and that could be a fun matchup for them. Ooh. Ooh. Johnny Walker versus Alexander Rakic? Sign me up. Holy shit. Just just getting me all tangly just thinking about it. But anyways, I wanted to highlight this because Johnny Walker being cleared is good news. Good for the division. Good for the sport. Good for me. Good for our fucking highlight reels, right? I mean, he has something else. Love Johnny Walker. And I'm so glad that he made a speedy recovery. Um, I listened to... An interview with uh, Guilherme Cruz on um, Ariel Hawani's The MMA Reporter show a while ago. And uh, Guilherme had said that um, originally he wasn't clear, like he wanted to see the doctor, and they said it wasn't um, ready. But I guess in doing more therapy, they realized that he was ready. So that's awesome. And good for him. Speaking of 205 pounds again, Chris Weidman has decided to move up 205 pounds I wonder if they'll try and make that matchup, actually. I wonder if they'll try and do Weidman versus um, Johnny Walker because they talked about, um, I guess Chris is going to be ready in October. The schmo in the fucking press conference kept pushing Dana, saying, oh, Chris Weidman could be on the Abu Dhabi card in in September. And he's like, he said October. He's like, yeah, but if he recovers faster, what about September? He just kept saying September. It's like, schmo, get the fuck out. Dude. Anyway. Chris Weidman, moving to 205 pounds, this is a good thing. He's one of those guys that had a brutal cut to 185, but he always felt that he was a little too much, too small for that division. And, you know, back in the day in wrestling, he had wins over Phil Davis and Ryan Bader at, you know, that weight class in wrestling. And um, they were, you know, really... you know, top of the line contenders in that division at the time people were t- saying that. Now they're both in Bellator. It's a different story, but like that doesn't change the fact that he got wins over those guys that you know ended up going winning championships in Bellator. And uh, I think Chris Weidman moving to two hundred five pounds is a good idea, man. Would love to see that Luke Rockhold rematch at some point. Um, I wanted to see the rematch. I thought Weidman was doing well in the first fight, and that um, losing to Rockhold kind of derailed his career a little bit he went like a three-fight skid and um i want to see him get his confidence back you know he he got a good win over kelvin gasolum but um and i think i think he can do do good things in that division dana in the press conference said oh i like him versus cannoneer there was like isn't cannoneer back at middleweight he's dropping down he's like he's like oh i still like that fight whatever <laughs> and i was like come on but uh 
Chris Weidman and um, um, Johnny Walker would be really fun. But I also like Walker and Rakic. Uh, 205 pounds is becoming like really one of my favorite divisions now. It's just so exciting with all these contenders coming up. And they're fucking, they're basically like athletic heavyweights. So, let it. We touched on a little bit with um, talking about Phil Davis and stuff moving to Bellator. So I want to piggyback off of that segue, even though it was so late. But um, Bell- Beck Rawlings um, just signed with Bellator, which is awesome. Because she's been killing it in the bare knuckle scene. But it, you know, I don't know if that is, there's like a future for her in that, really. So I'm glad that she's back in MMA. I'm glad that she um, is sticking at 125 pounds, I believe. Um, I think they're going to probably try and make her versus uh, Elimelay McFarlane, maybe not right off the bat. But I think what will be a fun fight is her versus um, Heather Hardy, um, you know, pro pro boxer. They both like to throw hands. And um, Heather Hardy's, I don't think, really making a run for the title in, in MMA. I think she just wants to do fun fights, and that's a fun fight. So I, I could really see them, you know, doing that. And if Beck, Beck wins, maybe push her into a fight with Elimelay. That would be incredible. It's just it's just fun. There's a lot of fun things happening with these new signings of Bellator. So really awesome. Can't wait for her. Leslie Smith is making her debut. A lot of fun stuff. So I guess um, speaking of matchups, Khabib versus uh, Dustin Poirier. They finally made it official September 7th in Abu Dhabi. And what was interesting about this is, I mean, we all kind of knew. I mean, we're sort of holding our breath, really, because the only thing that could derail is if, like, Daniel said to give Connor the rematch or any other bullshit. But, you know, we need to see that unification bout. Dustin's the interim champion. We got to see that. And I like Dustin's chances in the fight. I don't think I'll pick him. You know, I'm going to reserve my judgment for later on when we kind of do that breakdown. But I like his chances. I think, you know, Lafayette's finest is not going to be a walk in the park for for Habib. But what what I noted about this was Ali Abdelaziz, you know, putting out a statement or talking, you know, to the media saying that he's now the highest paid athlete in, in MMA, highest paid fighter on the UFC roster, blah, blah, blah. And that there's a GSP clause in his new contract. Which I mean, first of all, Ali Abdelaziz is a liar. <laughs> he lies all the time. And um, I I can't take anything he says seriously. But the, the whole GSP clause in the contract, I mean, first of all, clauses and contracts are just so that um, so that you can take some someone to court o- over it if, if you don't get your way, but they don't really hold up. I mean, there was a clause in GSP's contract, speaking of a GSP clause, clause in his contract that he would fight Robert Whitaker afterward, and we all know what happened. I mean, fucking uh, Oscar De La Hoya had an immediate rematch clause in his contract when he fought Floyd Mayweather, so Floyd faked retirement for a year to get out of it and then came back. I mean, there are so many ways around these clauses. Like, And who knows what that even means, dude? The GSP clause? That always he's going to fight GSP? I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think GSP stays retired, if you ask me. Um, or if they open up 165 pounds... Maybe um, Ben Askren and GSP fight for the inaugural title or something like that. You know, something fun like like a return like fight for him where they don't really care about the um, longevity of the division. But Dana has made it very clear he does not want that fight, and um, 
GSP said in his you know retirement interview, he said that you know I wanted to fight Khabib and they weren't necessarily making that fight, and I'm not gonna you know go through the ringer of of contendership to get there, and and that's it. You know I'm I'm gonna retire as I can't get the Khabib fight. So the whole GSP clause, I'm not buying it. And, and you know what does that even mean? Saddam. But fun fights that do mean any things are uh, James Vig versus Dan Hooker just got announced for UFC San Antonio. And this this card is uh, like three days after my birthday, and I'm just so excited for it. James Vick, one of my favorite fighters to watch at 155 pounds, and Dan Hooker, another one of my favorite fighters to watch. They're both lanky, um, tall strikers, both coming off a loss. I like it. I like it a lot. Supreme matchmaking there, and um, it, it keeps them both in the rankings. I was worried that James Vick was going to have to fight down. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's good. It's all, it's all good. And also, I guess on that card, Walt Harris versus Alexia Olenek is headlining. And originally they were slated for that Florida card, I believe. And then they pulled Alexi to replace Volkov, you know, against Overeem in Russia. Um, and Walt Harris was like, yeah, I want that fight back. You know, that's what the UFC website has it listed as TBD versus TBD, but they have their pictures up. I'm like, uh, uh, What? So UFC website, get your shit together. Yeah. Come on, get your shit together. Um, last matchup on the docket I have here is that um, John Lineker replaced um, Cody Stamen to fight Rob Font at UFC Greenville. And I'm glad that he's getting back in there. John Lineker put out a statement saying that, you know, if you're not going to book me, release me. So he was mad that his um, his opponent, Corey Sandhagen, had already got a fight. And... Um, he was saying before that that he wasn't getting booked a lot. He's only fought like once a year or something like that or twice a year maybe. And he was like, I need to fight more. If you're not going to book me, release me. And so they gave, they gave him the short notice fight, which mm, it's not the best, but clearly his game. And uh, both those guys like to throw hands. I'm here for it. I, I love I love that matchup. John Lineker versus Rob Font, man. Let's get it. And uh, that card's coming up in just like two weeks, UFC Greenville, June 22nd. So it's awesome. Oh, and one other thing I wanted to touch on real quick before we wrap up this segment is that um, one championship announced that they're opening up offices in L.A. and New York. And this made me really excited. Obviously, all of us online were like clamoring, like, oh, let's I want to work there and everything. Like, I don't know if they're interested in hiring people off Twitter, really. Uh, hate to break it to to everybody, you know, but uh doesn't stop, didn't stop me from throwing my name in the ring. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> I mean, I got me excited for two reasons. One, I live very close to New York, and I could definitely work there. But I'm also from L.A., and if I could bounce back and forth between those two offices, it's a dream job. Are you kidding me? But dreams are dreams, and I don't think that'll ever happen. Uh, but at least, at least it shows, like just just from a like a news standpoint, just to bring it back to reality, um, it shows that they're actually making a push in that North American market, and that gets me excited because they're they're making all these statements like saying that they, oh they're the biggest thing in Asia and that their success is not matched against the UFCs and all that, and uh, we have billions of people watching, and you know let's let's see, so so that's kind of like putting their money where their mouth is, in my opinion, opening up these um, North American offices on on both coasts. And uh, hats off to them. I, I hope they um, they start signing local, you know, uh, American talent to to try and corner that market. 
They've already got the deal with TNT as far as a, a North American TV deal. And they can do big things. God bless them. And that's all I have to say for, for current events. Thanks again for um, for the updates on Twitter. And uh, speaking of that, we'll get in some listener questions. Let's do some listener questions, guys. I really appreciate all the questions I've been getting, and especially the voice questions. Keep them up. Um, two um, two um, favorites of the show sent in some, some questions, so I really appreciate that, guys. And um, let's play the first question from a man, Tom Downing. Right, my question is, do you think anyone at all will unironically call Henry Cejudo Triple C apart from himself? Also, will UK fans have to pay 20 quid extra on top of their 40 quid per month BT subscription to watch the video of you eating your own ass? Couple questions there. First of all, no. I don't think anyone is going to call Henry Cejudo Triple Champ um, unironically. And if you do... Get get out get off get out of here just just stop um, unless he actually I mean the whole like triple champ like he was an Olympic gold medalist eleven years ago yes he earned that um, you know the, the whole joke of people going oh did you know Henry Cejudo has a gold medal I didn't know that I mean I participated in it so I'm not saying it's like tired or whatever but like you know it's fine he has the gold medal. These are separate accomplishments, in my opinion. I don't think you can call him a triple champ and the greatest combat sports athlete of all time and all that stuff. Like, you need to slow your roll. Uh, but again, it was a great win, and um, I think he could potentially be the first double champ to like really defend both titles and go back and forth. Um, as far as like other organizations doing that, um, like on the regional scene, stuff like that, like LFA and um, Ring of Combat, all that. Um, 125 and 135 are the most common, um, you know, divisions where champs have been able to go back and forth. I think Shorty Torres did it in Titan FC. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys who were able to do that successfully. So I think he could potentially do that. I'd rather see him do that and be a dominant champion in both divisions, uh, you know, rather than try and capture a third belt or, or hang his hat on this whole triple champ thing from the Olympics. Like, Get out of here with that Olympic shit. Um, I'm so not interested in the Olympics, by the way. Um, every four years, people make a big deal about it, and then it can just go the hell away. Like, get out of here. Give a fuck about the Olympics. Um, but anyways, Henry Cejudo is legit. I I will I will eat you know humble pie <laughs> in the form of my asshole. And uh, to answer your second question, um, no. And I feel bad for UK fans um, talking about um, the whole pay-per-view thing with the BT Sport. Um, but that's where all of us are with the fucking ESPN Plus. So can't say I feel too bad. Hopefully they have some sort of deal where you can watch it at a pub in the UK like we have here. Like I was able to watch this at a bar, no problem. And it was a great vibe. So let's keep that up. Speaking of great vibes... Another friend of the program, Smokey J, sent in his voice question.
Fighting With Myself podcast. It's Smokey J here all the way from Australia. Uh, there's a lot of questions that I could ask you, man. Like, what a fucking crazy night of fights that that was. That shit was pretty intense. So I guess I'll ask you the most important one that I can think of. Now that Henry Cejudo is officially a champ champ, he's going to be looking for that triple champ status. I say fuck going for the featherweight belt, man. Like, that's the obvious choice. Why not shake things up a bit and offer him the winner of Habib versus Poirier? Like, imagine if Habib won and ended up fighting Cejudo. That shit would be pretty crazy. Anyways, man, I just wanted to know what you thought of that situation. Bye. First of all, I love the bong rip at the beginning. I was like, what is he doing? What is this? Is he... Like, at first, I didn't hear the... When I first listened to it, I didn't hear the click of the lighter right before. And you just hear the bubbling. I'm like... What the fuck is he doing? But awesome. I love it. I can't get enough. <laughs> thank you for your question. Um, and thank you for fucking spreading the gospel about weed. Love it. Love it. Can't get enough. Second of all, Habib. I love it. I'll be needing a bib. Brunch. Henry Cejudo versus Habib. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's a murder if there ever was one. I said him versus Holloway would be a murder. That's a murder. I mean, he would play with him, dude. Can you imagine Khabib going for like an ankle pick and just like grabbing him by the ankle and just swinging him over his head like it was a fucking gnome? A fucking gnome. That's how that match would go. Yeah, no. If they book that, they're on serious crack. And um, I don't see that happening at all. But great question. Yes, I think he will try and go for a third belt. Um, I think if um, Frankie beats Max, he'll challenge Frankie. I don't think if Max wins, he'll challenge Max. I mean, he knows that's a fucking... He don't want that smoke. Like, get get the fuck out of here. But, yeah, it, it makes me sad. Because, like I said, I want to, I want to see him be a, do- a dominant double champ for real instead of just, like, trying to capture all these belts and get these fucking money fights and then and bounce. Like, just stay in your lane, do the, do the double champ thing, and, and just forget about it. Now moving on to some Twitter questions. St. Wick at St. underscore Poe says, Does Henry Cejudo even need to play the heel character to sell fights? He's so good, doesn't seem necessary. Is it a character, or is he just being his cringy self? Yeah, I think it's a character. I mean... His coach, Eric Albarasin or Albarasin or whatever you want to pronounce it, um, has done interviews where he said that he helps him with it a little bit. He's like a big pro wrestling fan. So um, it's pretty obvious to me. And the whole the whole video that came out of him on Media Day or, or the open workouts or whatever when he was in the fucking cape and the top hat, bring all that shit. I mean, he um, Eric Albarasin bro- broke that down in the... Um, weigh-in show the live early morning weigh-in show on espn with ariel and brett and he was like oh first he pulled out the mouse that was his first trick then he pulled out the snake and then he pulled out the rabbit i'm like yeah okay yeah okay um i guess the schmo actually helped them get that cape so weird so weird i mean some sometimes he is being himself and just like owning the cringe like with the whole dancing with the belt thing like he knows but he knows it's to get under people's skin, so he's kind of he is kind of forcing the issue, and it's sad. Like, like I hate it as much as much as you all do, and, and more more than you in some cases. Um, like, 
does does he need to in in terms of like to sell fights? It's sad to say, I think he does. Like he could pl- have another angle maybe, but as, in terms of like playing the heel and, and getting people to hate him, I mean he's not really playing the heel necessarily, but he is getting people to hate him. Like it's working. We all want to see him get his ass beat. Um, and you can't tell me that you were that excited for a Cejudo fight before he beat DJ. Like he wasn't like a superstar at that point. He wasn't anyone we were like clamoring to see fight. And he even like after he he lost to uh, Benavidez, you know, on on the on paper he lost. Like I said, I I give credit where credit is due. I actually thought he won that fight, even though the judges gave it to Benavidez. But um, Cejudo in the press conference was like, I didn't get into the sport to be a big mouth. I just want to win fights. And he was just like shying away from the whole promotional aspect of it. And then Chael ripped into him on his podcast saying, no one's going to give a shit about you if if you have that mentality. And I guess he really took that um, to heart and he's been turning it around. So good for him, I guess. And let the cringe continue. Um, Oh, this is a real question. Most people are just talking about my fucking bed about eating the asshole. So goodbye. Um, Luke Wright at L Eagle zero seven says, yo, I hope I'm not late. I slept in, but what's next for Sterling after his leg heals? Does he have to fight Marais again? Or does he get a shot at Tejudo and spaghetti with meatballs or meat sauce? Uh, thank you for both questions. Actually. Um, I appreciate non-MMA questions. Please keep those coming. In terms of what's next for Sterling, we touched on this a little bit. I think he should get the next shot against the title. Um, and I guess that means right, his leg needs to heal. Let Cejudo fucking defend his flyweight belt for a change. I mean, he didn't defend against T-Day, but that was still like a sort of super fight or whatever. But, you know, go back down, defend the flyweight belt, give Benavidez his you know, rematch or whatever, uh, or if Formiga wins, give him that fight, and then fucking, then you do the Sterling fight. Either way, Sterling needs to be fighting for a title title next. Maybe they're going to throw together one of those bullshit interim fights, but, you know, Sterling needs to be fighting for a title next, even if that means sitting out. I, I think he deserves it, and I think he will be rewarded if he does that. As far as, far as skating with meatballs or meat sauce, neither. I'm vegan. And, um, but as far as I, I love spaghetti and, um, spaghetti with anything is fucking good. Any sauce, put it on there as long as it's not fucking meat. Um, although vegan meatballs are not bad, but I kind of think if it's a good sauce, you don't need to, you know, moving on hectic one, uh, H E K T I C. Number one, O-N-E, says, Would you rather take a head kick from Valentina or an elbow from Ferg? Me? I'd rather not. So I guess you're saying nothing is an option. Uh, No, I like this question a lot. And um, I would definitely take an elbow from Tony Ferguson. Yeah, there's a possibility, like, depending on the placement, it could knock me out. But a head kick from Valentina is definitely going to knock me out. And an elbow from Ferguson is probably just going to cut you up. And that's, that's battle scars. I love it. Are you kidding me? I would take an elbow from Tony Ferguson. I'd be like, hey, this is this is my fucking scar when to- uh, I had to get stitches because Tony Ferguson elbowed me in the face. I love it. Um, and I'm only going to um, highlight this one because I, I like this account a lot. Um, his handle is um, Reusable Shoe. <laughs> a reusable shoe, dude. When I first got MMA Twitter, 
I saw this again. I was on the follow train and I was so high and I stared at this account laughing for like five minutes. Are you kidding me? The fucking avatar is like a, a like a sneaker with a little bonsai tree or something growing out of it. It's just a reusable shoe. I'm like, all shoes are reusable, dude. Anyway, that's my tangent about his name. But it says, he says, how does your own asshole taste? And uh, you guys are going to find that out. So don't worry. We'll get to that in a second. By the way, you guys got to stop just replying to other people's questions. Uh, These are for me to read and answer on the show. So I'm not um, reading any replies. Ryan McGurr says, How, who does Henry, you stealing the deed, your asshole, Sahudo, fight next? Uh, I think we touched on this before. I want to see him fight Benavidez next. I keep saying Benavidez. I only say that because Benavidez, I don't think, needed to fight for Miga. I think he already earned the shot, um, given that he has a win over Cejudo, so they should have just made that fight. But I guess he should fight the winner of Benavidez for Miga. Um, Wolfpack MMA says, how does your asshole taste? Well, we'll get into that later. Actually, the only really one I wanted to answer uh, regarding that was this gentleman, um, at PTD Shaheen. This is Pat one half of this scope um mma podcast one of my one of my favorite mma podcasts to listen to and um i love the whole community on twitter with um us that have a have a podcast i fucking i want to support everyone that listens and listen to your podcast um i love those guys it reminds me a lot actually of my other podcast um mixed martial opinions which i do with my friend andrew who is not an mma fan at all and um Pat has a gimmick where he pretends to be a casual and he just sort of like goes off the rails. He's like, yeah, whatever. And then Cole's like, well, anyways, let's talk about reality. And he sort of reins him in. And that's exactly how my other podcast goes. And so it just makes me laugh. Uh, but um, to answer your question, yes. So I um, I have a show to do later on. And... Uh, Little known fact, eating your ass is uh, bad for your vocal cords, so i got to do it after the show, and um, we'll make a video, and, and, you know, I put this out there as everyone says, oh, we need a fucking video, whatever, you know, I'm announcing it on the podcast, so if you if you need to listen, obviously, you're listening now, but that's the only way you're going to find out about this, so if anyone wants fucking proof, um, message me, and you'll find out. That's what I have to say about that. And then God bless Tom Reimer, panelist Tom Reimer too, um, with a fucking real question. He says, we saw four matches last night that could possibly be number one contender matches. Which one do you think get a title shot and why? Uh, This is one that I kind of touched on a little bit. Um, I'm not sure he... Which four? I think he's probably talking about um, uh, Sterling Munoz, obviously, um, Suarez, Ansaroff, Chukagian, and um, Calderwood, and then probably saying you know, Rivera Yawn could have potentially been one. I don't know if you give Yawn a title shot right away, so um, I'm going to take that out of the mix. I think Tatiana definitely should get the, the title shot, especially given Dana's comments saying, uh, you know, definitely not Watterson next. Although. We've seen Dana go against his word before, but you know who knows. 
I think she should get the title shot. So I'm going to say that. And then um, as far as those um, other fights, uh, it's it's a tough sell for Kaylin Chukagian because she only is now on a one-fight winning streak. Um, she lost to I, who got the title shot. And then Shevchenko just smoked I. I thought if, if JoJo won, they would they would for sure give her because she was on like a three-fight winning streak before that. Um, and again, I thought JoJo won, but I'm not, you know, clamoring robbery or anything. Uh, but since that division is so shallow, I think there's two two possibilities for the next um, flyweight contender. I think it's going to be either Kaylin Chukagin or the winner of Modafferi Carmouche, uh, which is coming up in um, uh, the San Antonio card, I believe. So fucking a. I guess we just we just wait, you know, a month and a half or so, see how that plays out as Dana likes to say. But uh, Sterling versus Munoz, I think you got to give it to Sterling. And um, so, yeah, I think I think my two, like, for sure, as far as those four number one contender matchups you mentioned, is uh, Tatiana and um, Aljo. And then uh, there was more replies on there, but uh, I blocked that guy, so fuck him. I guess that wraps up questions. Thanks for everyone who submitted a real question. Um, anyone interested about that... Um, asshole bet just message me and you'll find out without further ado we got to preview these um fights happening in um msg next week at bellator all right so bellator 222 happening in madison square garden next friday or this upcoming friday june 14th and i said when this uh matchup was announced it originally was supposed to be a headline between um, Chael Sonnen and Lyoto Machida and um, I originally said that I was bummed that it was actually happening um, at MSG rather than somewhere else in New York because um, I fucking hate Madison Square Garden for numerous reasons you can uh, listen to that episode I think it was episode two which is actually a train wreck so maybe don't listen but um, yeah not not a a supporter of um, MSG but I was thinking about getting tickets uh, they were actually really cheap, and I wanted to see Chael fight live again. I saw him fight Tito, and um, I want to see him get <laughs> get a win live. But um, I actually can't because I have a show, so bummed about that. But I am going to be looking to catch the replay of these. This is some a really good, uh, really good fight card. Uh, opening up, you got Eduardo Dantas versus Juan Archuleta, and these guys have. Uh, incredible records. Uh, Juan Archuleta is like 22-1. and one. Let me pull it up. It's, it's actually interesting. Yeah, 21-1. and one, And then his opponent is 21-6. and six. So, no, no easy walk in the park for either guy. I think Juan probably gets it done. Um, I'm not making like hard and fast picks here. Um, I'm not um, too versed on Bellator to, to really know their fighters all that well, but um, I've seen Juan Archuleta fight, and he is the real deal. So I would lean towards him in that. But it's going to be a, a fun fight. I think um, I think it's going to be, um, you know, the, the lighter weight classes always deliver. I think it's going to be a, a good fight. Um, next up, everyone's favorite fighter, Dylan Dennis <laughs> versus Max Humphrey. And um, without even looking into the other guy, it's pretty clear that, you know, I think Dylan Dennis is the favorite in this. Like Bellator 
matches up their guys correctly when they pick these sort of you know prospects or whatever that are early on. You know, these like specialists like him, Raymond Daniels, Aaron Pico, MVP. I mean, if anything, Bellator is guilty of is like going too slow with these guys, but they definitely don't push them too fast. Um, But it's kind of what you do. I mean, everyone that, you know, hates Dylan and, and thinks that he's like getting fed cans. It's like, like, yeah, he's an accomplished jujitsu black belt and he's, um, you know, won some some medals or whatever, like actually not a lot compared to some of the other people, but, you know, he's known himself in that scene. He's made a name for himself in that scene. And, but he's 1-0 in MMA. You know, no commission is going to sanction him versus like someone 10-0 or, or anything with a, with a decent record. Uh, so competition-wise, he should be facing these guys early on. Now, if he, if he submits them all really quickly, like three in a row, boom, 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 you know, then you got to start, you know, giving him some better competition, like maybe a wrestler who, who can't, who can stop some of those submissions, someone with better striking, like he's definitely has some holes in his game that can be exploited, but they're not going to be exploited just yet. So I think he gets this one done pretty easily. Um, something interesting to me on the um, Bellator website Oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't this fight. It was the um, the Neiman Gracie fight, which we'll get to in a second. But yeah, I think Dylan Dallas. I guess this fight is happening at one seventy. Um, although it says it's a catchweight feature fight, so maybe not maybe one seventy five. But they have them both listed as one seventy. So yeah, that's another thing that um, Bellator should straighten out as far as their website. But um, next up is another fun fight: Darian Caldwell versus Kyoji Horiguchi. And I think this is for um, Darian Caldwell's um, hundred thirty five pound title. Um, so Scott Coker allowed Darian to go into Ryzen and fight Kyoji. And Darian's a big guy. He's 5'10", shredded. He fought at um, 145 pounds, uh, you know, I think maybe before the Kyoji fight. And then Kyoji used to fight as low as 125 pounds. He's 5'5". Five, five. You know, he had famously lost to Mighty Mouse with one second left in the fight. And... Um, but he, since then, he's been wrecking shop in um, in Ryzen at 135 pounds. And uh, I thought this was kind of like interesting that they, they would bring him in for a rematch. I guess it's only fair. But uh, my initial thoughts were like, oh, it's probably going to be the same. But then I thought, well, Ryzen, I mean, sometimes we see some Fugazi stuff happen with them as far as like who wins and how, you know. But I got to think also like, Darian is a little bit of a wrestler and um, they're used to fighting in cages where they can pin people up against a cage and that fight in Ryzen was in a boxing ring. So given that it's now in a cage, I'm actually kind of leaning toward Darian Caldwell just because he can maybe use it. I think he learned some stuff in that um, first fight, but um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it if, if Kyoji does the same thing and, and just, I think he submitted him. It was, it was a finish for sure, but uh, that's a fun fight as well. I mean, I guess we'll have some questions answered because if they would just leave it at that, we'll never know. Because I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think you know, especially this fight, the fact that this is happening on um, you know, U.S. soil. Like, I don't think any any Fugazi stuff is going to happen with as fight fixing or anything like that. So, I think the winner of this fight will determine like who really is the better man, if that makes sense. You know. 
So I like this rematch a lot. And I love Chael Sonnen versus Leo Machida. Dude, I will never fucking pick against Chael Sonnen. I love Chael Sonnen. He uh, sort of got me into the sport a, a little bit. And uh, watching his black and white interview with Ariel Hawani, talking about the Noguera brothers feeding a bus, uh, feeding a carrot to a bus and all that. Hilarious. And if you haven't li- listened to the interview, go back and listen. He was setting up this fight even back then, as far as like taking out the Brazilians. He was talking about Vanderlei, and he was like, Hey, Vanderlei, you are an immigrant from Brazil. I am a gangster from America. You want to play that game with me? I'll do a home invasion on you. I'll come in the middle of the night with a pair of night vision goggles about the back of Soul Trip Fortune magazine. I'll pick the lock to the master room door. I'll take a picture of you in bed with the Noguera brothers. Post it on www.dorksfrombrazil.com. Password, not required. Username, not required. And that, Vanderlei, is how you threaten someone. Dummy. And if you think anyone can do a better Chell Center impersonation, you're wrong. But anyways, I love it. Um, it actually is a tough matchup. Lyoto is is legit. Um, his weird style of, of of the karate has has given a lot of guys some problems. And um, but they they both used to fight at middleweight and, and they're fighting at uh, light heavyweight now. So it's really interesting. Chael was kind of silly on the fact that you know one one Leo Machida knocked out Randy Couture, who was Chael's like you know coach and idol, you know or, or you know team captain at team quest and um he was like i want to get this back for randy and uh um also leoto kind of became the number one contender after he won his debut for for the 185 pound title against um gegar musasi and chelson was like you're gonna risk that to fight me i'm no walk in the park for anybody i'll spoil that party maybe i'll become the number one contender of that division I used to fight a middleweight, and I'm like, holy shit. So we added a little level of intrigue as far as bringing it back to the whole competitive architecture of that, and I love it. I'm all in. Um, I hope Chael gets it done. This would be a, this would be a really awesome fight. And it was originally the main event, but then Bellator booked the um, the next installment of the semifinals of the of the welterweight Grand Prix, and it's a title fight because Rory's title is on the line. So they acknowledge that the title fight is more important, and they they made. Um, Chael and Lyoto the co-main, uh, which actually I like it better as a three-round fight um, because Chael can win rounds and, and Lyoto has less of a chance to to catch him. So I think that's that's good for Chael. So, but Lyoto or sorry Rory versus Neiman Gracie, this is a really interesting fight. Two months ago, well actually, before the Gegard fight, I would I would have picked Rory, but then when. Rory lost dominantly to um, to to Gegard Mousasi. It kind of left some questions, like, "Ooh, this like where is his head at now?" And we kind of had to see where he's he was. I guess right away he told Scott Coker that he wanted in that tournament, and so that kind of showed me that he had a fire under him. But I was still waiting to see how he would look in his um, in his next performance. So. We all saw what happened there. He got fitched, and then they called it a draw. And then he went on the mic, said, maybe I don't want to hurt people anymore. This is hard for me as a Christian. 
it was such an interesting interview um, as far as that and the one he did afterward with Ariel Hawani talking about where his head is at. And he said that he's kind of like made peace with that and that he's accepted that, you know, he can use his platform to promote his religion and all that good stuff. So he, I think he does want to get back in there. But Neiman Gracie is a tough task for anybody. And the way Neiman looked against Ed Ruth, I think I'm, I'm leaning towards, towards Neiman Gracie in this fight. I think he could, um, yeah, I think he could pull off the upset here and, and become the champion. Like, wouldn't that be something? So this is just an awesome night. I'm going to be following this card um, closely while I'm, you know, obviously doing that play I talked about. And I'm looking forward to it. You guys are awesome. Even the haters keep coming. Keep coming. Not going to stop. I love doing this. And I love hearing from you guys. It's really, um, it really means a lot to me when I get the positive feedback. It doesn't go unnoticed. Um, I did get a, you know, a, a nice review on Apple Podcasts that I wanted to highlight, but um, I, I would like to do more, um, you know, almost like do a little segment on it if I get more, you know, positive reviews on, on Apple Podcasts, five-star reviews. I don't know any negative reviews I'm saying. I'm just, you know, I only have like the, the, the one or two really. So um, on that, if you listen on Apple Podcast, just give me a five-star ranking, huh? Leave a little positive review. It's not much to ask. Do it for the family. Keep doing that. Keep sending in the listener questions. I love it. You can always drop them anytime. You can send me a DM on Twitter or you can, um, uh, you know, Instagram as well. They're both um, FWM underscore pod, which you probably know. Or there's always the email, fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. You can send in um, whatever question you want there. Do a little video, whatever. That would be cool. Like I said, the voice questions are always available. Um, I tweet at that link every time I'm about to record, and you guys take advantage of that, which is cool. Keep doing that, and um, that's all I have to say. Good night and good fights.